Hi, this is Mrs. Q-Dog, and you're listening to a special presentation. The Mighty Q-Bro is celebrating the 20th anniversary of Rick V-Day. Hello, welcome. This is Mighty Q-Dog, and I have my two brothers here with me. We're going to do a little podcast about our history in gaming. Uh, as some of you know, I did a video a couple of weeks ago about our uh, my Master System collection and a very special event called Rick V Day, uh, which is uh, the 20th anniversary, is, uh, is uh, July 18, 2017. So we thought we'd get together and chat about uh, Rick V Day and, and all of us uh, growing up together playing video games. So I've got with me here my two brothers. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Jeff. Hello. Uh, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm the youngest brother. Um, yeah, well, so tell us a little bit about your interest in video games. Like, what have you been playing lately? Or uh, lately, lately, I've been going through a bit of a dry spell. So um, I've been playing uh, Magic the Gathering Puzzle Quest on Android, and that's about it. Yeah. That's a good game to play when you've got uh, five, ten minutes to kill while waiting for kids to put their shoes on. Uh-huh. Okay. And you've also been going through the Final Fantasy games, is that I've right? I've been going through the Final Fantasy games in order, uh, years and years after the fact, and I'm averaging about one per year, uh, <laughs> though I'm not doing too well for this year. Yeah, which um, one are you on now? I'm on Final Fantasy XII, oh, but I haven't good. touched it in quite a while. Work's been keeping me busy. Okay. And even though I have my weekends back, I'm finding it difficult to get back into the swing of things. Okay. What's the most recent game console you have? Uh, Xbox 360. Okay. Okay. And we used to play that online, right? We used to we, play, we online, play online, uh, Halo 3, then Halo Reach. Okay. Uh, after that dwindled down, I let my Xbox Live account lapse. And, yeah. And, uh, it, it hasn't really been connected ever since. Okay. Well, what systems have you had throughout your life? Tell us a brief history of your game systems. All right. So if you count the, uh, uh, my one-third ownership in the master system that we got in 88, uh -huh. I'd say that's where it started. I don't really consider the Atari to be uh, mine, though I got to play it a bunch, thanks to you two. Um, <clears throat> after the master system, then really the first console I bought uh, for myself with my own money was uh, Sega's very own Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. And that was uh, uh, back in college. Uh, reading all about it online on the emulation forums and all the uh, all the great games that were coming out for it, and you know, I said to my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, you know, we should get a Dreamcast <laughs> and get a Dreamcast. We did. Great. Okay, and then what? After the Dreamcast, I didn't buy any consoles for quite a while. Um, I got. Uh, you had an Xbox, didn't I had you? An, an original Xbox. Xbox. So that was, yeah, when did I get that? Oh, four, maybe? Uh-huh. So that was about a, the time Halo 2 came out, right? About the time Halo 2 came out, and uh, you guys had uh, talked it up uh, uh, quite a lot. You were very excited about it, and uh, I can't remember what convinced me to go buy one, but I do remember my initial plan was uh, I hadn't told you guys that I got an Xbox and Halo 2, so I got on Xbox Live, and I figured, well, I bet I can guess what their usernames are and find <laughs> them to see if they uh, see if they recognize me. 
Did, but, we, uh, did we? I don't even remember. Yeah, no what such happened? luck. No. Uh, yeah. I wasn't uh, really aware of you know the technicals, how the uh, online gaming worked. You have to friend people first. Oh, so, right. You know, for that, uh, that sort of let the cat out of the bag. But, uh, yeah, I do remember uh, calling you guys and saying, hey, uh, I have an Xbox uh, Live account in Halo 2, and uh, let's see what we can get going here. Cool. And then you got the 360. Yeah, so the story behind the 360, that's a fun one. Uh, it was just after I moved into town and uh, got a new job. And back then I was also doing a lot of uh, investing online. And uh, I said to myself, uh, very similarly to the Dreamcast days, you know what, I think I should get an Xbox 360. Oh, and probably a Nintendo Wii also, <laughs> just for good measure. Yeah, I remember that. So uh, I went out same day and bought both of them and one game for each, uh, Resident Evil 4 and I think Halo 3 for Xbox 360. And uh, that was a fun day, and I think the bill came to about $700, which the wife wasn't happy about, but uh, the reason I mentioned the uh, stock trading is because that week I went out and made about $700 trading stocks. And so, so it was like free money. We called it square. Great. And, uh, yeah, that day uh, when I was walking to the cash register with two video game consoles, the clerk stopped me and asked if I was finding everything all right. And I uh, pointed back in the general direction of the PS3s and said, yeah, I wanted to buy a PS3 too, but I couldn't find any. He uh, did not get the joke. <laughs> all right. All right. And since then, you've, you've borrowed, you're borrowing a PS2, right, to play Final Fantasy. Ah, uh, yes. But, so, uh, Gavin... Uh, you never owned a PlayStation. I never owned a PlayStation 2, but uh, when Gavin was finished with his, he sent it out this way, couriered by you, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I played through uh, the three Final Fantasy games. Well, I'm, I'm not quite done with Final Fantasy XII, but... Uh, uh, and then also uh, God of War. God of War. Okay, great. And you play PC games a little bit too, right? Oh, yeah, I played a lot of PC games over the years and uh, a lot of emulation on PC of console games. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, let's go to our other brother, uh, who is, I guess, the middle brother. Uh, Jeff, you're the youngest, I'm the oldest. And Gavin, you are the, the second son. Uh, tell us about your uh, gaming history. Well, uh, yeah, I... I remember coming downstairs one morning, I must have been three years old, and saw these Atari games that my my parents must have bought them and maybe were playing them the night before with friends of theirs or maybe my dad's brother, and I thought they were some kind of a radio. And Eric, I think it was you who told me that, no, they were some kind of game. And I yeah. don't remember how I first saw it, but... Uh, I remember I was pretty enthused about it uh, from a young age. We had combat, we had home run, we had bowling. Eventually we got into, you know, Space Invaders. And I never bought any of my own games back then. Uh, I was too little. The money was worth too much to me. But from a young age, I don't know. That's what everybody was into at the time. We played yeah. Pac-Man, we played Pitfall. Uh, I remember being disappointed with Donkey Kong. Having seen it at our neighbor's house on the Intellivision, mm -hmm. having seen Pac-Man at our neighbor's house on the Intellivision, I remember even back then thinking some of these Atari game versions were disappointing. Yeah. But what we had, and I certainly made use of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't remember. I think about the time we moved to the new house, 
we it, we were the first people in that neighborhood or among the first people. There weren't that many kids. I think we just weren't around people who were playing video games anymore. So we got into other stuff. Yeah. Like there was a, in, in reality, it was probably only a year or two. But when you're a child, it, it felt like forever that like, we were not playing video games anymore. We didn't, we didn't really care about them. We didn't know what was coming out. Well, there was, that was so for, you know, for perspective, that was right around the time of the historic video game crash, right? In 1984, Atari lost a ton of money and they were dumping a bunch of stuff. And so, People were kind of getting out of video games, right? So, yeah. and we were no exception. We were kind of getting out of them too. And you know, I, I you may recall we would go to we went to the mall at one time and we found like asteroids or something for two bucks, right? Yeah, so, uh, we weren't really into it too much. But uh, but go ahead. Then then what? Uh, what do you remember? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That was we we got into other stuff. We were playing baseball. We were doing model rockets. You know, uh, we got into other stuff. I remember. The summer of 1987, we started seeing these TV commercials for The Legend of Zelda. And yeah. I remember thinking, video games? Who still cares about video games? <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that too. And it sounds like, from what I've read since then, The Legend of Zelda came out about a year after the NES. So this this video game system had been out for a while already. Yeah. I never heard of it until we start, started seeing these TV commercials. Yeah. And I remember, I still thought they were dumb. For a while, it took me about a year of seeing Super Mario Brothers and Zelda and some of the other early games at friends' houses before I finally warmed up to the idea of yeah, maybe we could, maybe some of these new video games are are worth asking for for Christmas. Yeah, and that leads us to 1988, where Jeff, I think you and me had finally warmed up to the idea of maybe we should, maybe we should get a Nintendo. Yeah. And then, I mean, because I didn't, I didn't know. I just knew what my friends had. And, and Eric started talking about the Sega Master System. Yeah. I never heard of that. Nobody we know has one. It sounds dumb. Let's stick with what we know. Um, I mean, I knew we'd be able to borrow games from our friends if, if we got an NES. But, uh, and from, we started seeing Sega commercials on TV. And I thought all the games were fighting games like Shinobi and Double Dragon. And yeah. I like the more... I don't know. It seemed like Nintendo had a wider variety, but again, I, I didn't know that much. But uh, you know, I think Eric set out to prove to us or convince us we wanted an SMS. And I think seeing it at Montgomery Wards at that demo unit, I think I only needed to see that once. Alex yeah. Kidd and Choplifter, and then I was sold. Well, let's like, go. Graphics were better. Choplifter was awesome. I loved that game. I'd seen it before on the Apple Two C or Two E. Yeah, and when I saw that version of Choplifter, I thought, "Whoa, this is awesome! We got to get this." Yeah, let's go back a bit because I, I remember, I remember it the way that you remember. We were we would see these NES commercials, and man, that Zelda commercial annoyed the hell out of me. I'm like, "This is not a way to sell anything." You have some guy in black tights yelling about tech tights and pee hats. Oh, I hated that so, too. I, so yeah, so we I didn't know anything about the NES, right? I, there were a couple of guys in my school that were talking about it, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, this Atari, what, what's the big deal, you know? But people kept talking about it and talking about it, and then um, then you may recall in the summer of 1988, we went out to this lake, and uh, they had a hang on machine. It was the stand up version, uh, and I was playing that, and so I'm like, oh, this is fun. It was enjoyable. It was the only game they had. Maybe maybe they had another one, but I'd play a hang on there. 
And then when we got into the fall, I remember going to Toys R Us and seeing an NES, but then there was this other system, this Sega Master System, right? It was just, and I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, I don't, I've never seen this before, but I knew Sega from the hang on. And so I started looking into it. And so then, so then, yeah, Jeff, I mean, do you have any memories of going to Montgomery? Because the Montgomery Ward, that was a big deal, right? Yeah. And in I fact, don't... that's where we ended up getting the system. It was one of the only few places that we knew of that was carrying it. But they had a demo system set up, right? Do you I, I remember do, that? I do remember using the demo system. I yeah. remember Alex Kidd the best, although I know at one point there was also a Penguin Land. Maybe it was the other side of the store or it was a different Montgomery really? Ward. Really? Penguin Land? Yeah, that was the yeah. Montgomery Wards at Stratford. And uh, I seem to remember really? uh, uh, being with Gavin, and we were trying to check out the gameplay on the game, but, uh, yeah, something or other happened. Uh, the parents came back to get us, or it was time to go, and so we didn't really get a chance to uh, explore it in depth. Okay. But, yeah, what I remember the best was Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Sure. It was Alex Kidd, and like Gavin said, Choplifter. I remember seeing Choplifter. And, Gavin, I don't know if you mentioned, you played it on the Apple II, right? Yeah. And the no, Master System. That. The Master System version was far superior. It was incredible. I mean, parallax scrolling. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't know the word parallax at the time, but I knew that it was something that we'd never seen before. Yeah, yeah. So I remember Choplifter. You guys remember Alex Kidd. I also remember seeing Alien Syndrome, which was one of the reasons why I knew about that game after we got the Master System, and Action Fighter. Uh, Action Fighter was another one that I remember seeing there that uh, I thought had a nice arcade uh, kind of style to it. So uh, so all of our friends had NESs, right? Or we knew a couple of people, right? Gavin, did you? I knew kids in school, but none of the neighbor kids had them quite yet. No. Right? Was, so did you know somebody who had an NES? Uh, yeah, my friend Dave had one. And then uh, these kids, a little bit younger, the, uh, well, you remember, down the street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they had one, and we'd occasionally go over there and hang out and play Super Mario Brothers or Contra. Yeah. So talk about Dave, because the situation with Dave was, and I didn't realize this until years later, he was a damn good video game player. And he would constantly tell us about how he would win games. Oh, I'd, I rented it, and I won it in two days or whatever. Did that have an effect on your, your thinking about how good the NES was? Well, I thought, I mean, again, it took me a while to come around to the idea of video games when they when they started coming back out again. I, I thought the idea of a game that you could win was kind of stupid. I mean, for yeah. the Atari, we had Haunted House, and we had seen Adventure. But I, I was thinking of what a video game should be is like Missile Command, where it just repeats right. forever. Yeah. Like, Jeff and I had had times where we played Missile Command or Space Invaders or Asteroids for literally three hours solid. <laughs> and then the only reason we stopped was like some parent was calling us down to dinner or we had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. It was like, you didn't, well, Thanksgiving you didn't Day, we had it an Asteroids Marathon like that, right? Yeah, I think there was one Thanksgiving where we did. I know those three games, Space Invaders, Missile Command, and, and Asteroids. Asteroids. I hit the three-hour mark on each of them at, at least once. Wow. But that was my thought, that video games that you can win in two days, that's that's stupid. Well, why would I want to play that? Well, that's just a way for them to rip you off. You get less entertainment value per your dollar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, that's cynical then. But. 
So we, you know, so we were seeing that the NES, this guy Dave, was winning all these games. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to be buying these games if you're going to play them in three days and then be sick of them and not get anything else out of them. Now, what I didn't know at the time was that they're not easy. He was just actually really good at playing games. Yep. But yeah. that had an effect on me, at least. I'm thinking, oh, man, this NES, these games are too easy. This isn't this isn't cost effective. Boy, but, a uh, challenge that lasts much longer. Yeah. And so, we, we knew we would get we'd be lucky to get a couple games a year. Yeah, we weren't going to be renting them or getting them all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I remembered, hang on, from the arcade and figuring this game it's probably going to go on forever, right? It's a racing game. It's just mm -hmm. you just run and run and run until you run out of time. So that was a big motivator for me the uh, the fact that the master system came with hang on. Um, so what else was there anything? I mean, so so we we there was a lot of there were a lot of people getting an NES right, and there was a lot of uh, you could trade with people. There was a lot of people that we knew at school. Um, so what finally, you know, we mentioned Montgomery Wards. Was there anything else that finally, what, what made us? I mean, I know I wanted it because I liked the graphics a little bit better, and I, I liked Hang On, and I I, I was kind of maybe thought that the Sega would be a little bit have a little bit more longevity, but that was it turns out to be unfounded. But uh, what convinced you, Jeff? Did you do you remember well, thinking? Did you want an NES or a Sega Master System? Oh, I I really wanted an NES. I spent you know a long time dreaming about you know Mario Brothers and playing Mario Brothers, yeah. and you know I, I'm pretty sure we'd been seeing it at the local uh, pizzeria. You know, mm -hmm. it would have been the tabletop version of it, and thinking, man, I wish I had quarters to play this, but my parents won't let me. Um, Seeing Alex Kidd, uh, you know, it sold me on, well, okay, the, the Sega is going to be at least as fun, uh, maybe more. But, uh, you know, another factor was me being the youngest brother. I was already, uh, you know, predisposed to uh, agree with my older brothers, just follow along with, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever they said. Yeah, okay, now, disclaimer, now, I don't remember, like, beating you. No, right? no, 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 no. You're going to no, take I, a master system. No, 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 it was not like that, but you, you know how younger brothers are, right? Yeah. They always want to emulate their older brothers, so. All right. What about you, Gavin? Did you, you have any, uh, I mean, other than seeing the demo, which I guess is a huge thing, right? That that worked for Sega to, to show us the demo. Was See, there anything it, else? For me, it was back to Alex Kidd. I mean, it sounds dumb, but one, the colors were clearly more vibrant and better. Yeah. They didn't have that speckling of black pixels throughout that just made NES graphics look a little bit darker and dingier. Yeah. And dumb as it may sound, uh, the first level of Alex Kidd was vertical scrolling. Yeah, and I thought. Look, this game is it's it's like Super Mario Brothers, but it's it's even more complex. It's more, it's a little bit. It has more to offer. There's vertical scrolling and side scrolling. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. And vehicles yeah. too, right? Yeah, I'm sure we saw the demo. Go ahead. Did we That's see the true. motorcycles? Well, we would have seen the underwater stage, and you know, at the time, I don't know if we knew Mario we might not had have had been, underwater yeah. stages, but having seen you know that underwater stage and how it's kid, like wow, this is clearly you know superior technology here. Yeah, but okay. I, for me, those are the two games I remember: Choplifter and Alex Kid. Those really, those really turned me around on the Master System. I was all in at that point. Okay, so then, so then, what happened? So we were we were pestering our parents right to go take us to Montgomery Ward. Let's go check out the. Uh, Check out the demo. I remember asking, you know, to take us a couple of times leading up to Christmas. And it's probably all we talked about. I mean, I know it was all I was thinking about was getting a master system for Christmas. So do you remember, was there anything that we did other than it being one of the only things we asked for 
uh, to convince our folks. I mean, I don't think they knew any better. They didn't care. Nintendo, Sega, they yeah, didn't. I'm not sure if we did anything specific. I, I mean, I don't even remember if we asked explicitly. I'm sure we must have. Yeah. Uh, Dad mean, called it a Sago. Certainly he they knew we wanted one. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. Yeah. yeah, Dad used to keep saying, you ain't getting no Sago. Oh, yeah, he did. I remember no, that. He, did. he doesn't know anything. But if you look at the box that we got, the item that we got, there's a Montgomery Ward sticker on it. Yeah. So apparently, you know, mom just said, well, they've seen it over there. This is what they want. Uh, and that's where she went to buy it. It was, you yeah. know, down. It wasn't too far from the house. Yeah. So, I mean, Montgomery Wards was about two miles, and Toys R Us was probably about 15 miles. I'm sure Montgomery <laughs> Wards sold NESs. But, uh, <laughs> that man but, played into it. Yeah. So, so, so we did get the Master System for yeah. Christmas of 1988, right? You know, I think the fact that it was for all three of us may have played into it too. Yeah, she never. We never would have gotten a gift like that. Yeah, uh, the fact that we split. could all agree—that may have been germane. Yeah, yeah, because then she's like, "Ah, just uh, one, two, three birds with one stone, right? I'll just yeah. buy one gift and knock all three kids out." Yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, so what did we get? We got the system, the light phaser. It came with Hang On Safari on, and we got a game, right? Choplifter. We got Choplifter. That was the first game. That was and that was the one that we were all really impressed with, right? Yeah. So uh, we still are to this day. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would argue it's probably one of the best, if not the best, uh, version of that game um, that's been released. So that was our first cartridge, yeah. and, and the other two games were built in, right? So that was our only cartridge for a while. Um, so then what? So tell us about you know for that first year we were really into it, right? We were buying some games. Um, Jeff, why don't you tell us? I mean, I, I'll, maybe I'll start because I bought the first game. I bought Action Fighter uh, it, because, again, it was a game that I thought would be uh, have a lot of longevity and replayability to it, right? Because it seemed like it was really arcadey. Um, but uh, that was the first game we got. And then, actually, let's talk about Double Dragon too. Yes. So the deal with Double Dragon was it was a what? What was it? It was something you had to mail in something, uh, uh -huh. know, proof of purchase. I'm not sure exactly what. And then Double Dragon would come, you know, to your house in the mail six to eight weeks later. And uh, you know, being that I was the youngest, I got out of school uh, earlier uh, than the two of you did. And you know, I can remember coming in the door and mom saying something like, "Uh oh, you know, Jeff's gonna, you know, he'll be the first one to be able oh. to play this game." <laughs> Yeah. This is an exciting day. It finally came. And so, you know, it of course, I, I rushed right upstairs with the car. Did you play it? Yeah. So, I, what, you were, this was 1988, so you were still pretty young to be I was, playing I was still street crawling games. 89. 80, oh, yeah, early 89, right. Yeah. So, you know, third okay, grade. Okay. So, yeah, you were probably okay. Yeah. All right. So, all right. anyway, yeah, I went upstairs. I played it. Um, you know, the first three rounds, you have infinite continues. So, uh, that was fortunate for me because I wasn't very good yeah, uh, well, at, yeah. at that tender age. Um, and then at some point uh, uh, during me playing the game, uh, one or both of you then uh, had come home from school. And uh, I believe we're upset by, uh, you know, how much, uh, <laughs> so much of the game I had already enjoyed. Like, oh, crap. What, You're using it up, man. What have I been doing at school like a chump when I could have been home playing this awesome game? Well, yeah, I feel like that often. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, and this may have been toward the end of stage three. And then uh, I got to uh, stage four, uh, uh, where there are not infinite continues automatically unless you know a, you know, a secret. There's that a secret code them. to do it, right? But, uh, you know, unfortunate for me, I think I got to stage four with, like, one sliver of health and no lives left. So 
Uh, off to the right, I begin walking, and a totally new uh, feature in the game are these uh, gargoyle statues coming out of the bricks holding giant spears. Like, okay, well, that's <laughs> interesting-looking background art. Uh, ah! wow, what I'm going to find, and poop, poop, and yeah. I was dead. I, I, that's literally all I saw of stage four for quite a long time after that because no. now it was uh, other people's turns and I'm sure I had to go to bed at some point. So yeah. it would well, have not been until movie. the next day or the next weekend that I'd get another chance. First of all, this that secret code, the way we figured this out, Jeff and I would, would play this game a lot. We'd play it double player. And at some point we started this ongoing tradition of just beating the crap out of each other of well, course as one does <laughs> as one would do yeah it it took it would take us like two hours to get to level four then because <laughs> each other so much but it turned out that if you would punch and kick each other your teammate you would still get points for it so the way we figured out level four was we're gonna we're gonna kill player two right at the end of level three have him start level four with full health and then the remaining guy, number one, the guy who's going to try to get as far as he can, is going to spin kick or elbow that guy to death, you know, a hundred times to get the points for that, so that uh -huh. you have that many more points to get you closer to thirty thousand to get that extra life. Oh, you still remember the score? Yeah. And okay. then we realized that hey, if you spin kick this guy thirty times, for some reason it gives you infinite continues. I think the first time we did this, because we thought the spin kick was the most, uh, that, that move gave you the most points. Yeah, so it was the most economical, points per damage. It, it, it turned out the elbow smash was actually more economical, but at the time, oh, okay. we were rookies. But we realized that if you spin kick a guy 30 times, you'd get these infinite continues, and then, well, let's try 20 times, well, let's try 10 times. And it turned out 10 was the magic number, yeah. and then we discovered you didn't even need player two there. If you just did ten spin kicks, in when the level first started, it would you that that uh, press any key to continue for player two would start would would appear. So you so discovered this? Yes. I don't even this. remember that. I thought we got it out of a magazine. No. Oh no, me and Jeff figured it out. <laughs> just All because right. we were trying to get extra points to get an extra life. All right. So then that allowed us to practice and become experts at level four. For when we finally would would try to make it through the game without continuing at all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Actually, let's let's talk about that. I, 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 just briefly, we, we sort of had these rules because we were all three playing it, right? Did we and we sort of had these rules. And, and anybody who who follows me on Twitter or watches my videos knows I have a spreadsheet and I keep all these win dates, right? So tell tell us a little bit about what what happened there, where we would how we would consider like winning a game. Winning a game, like I don't know if we developed these rules like over time, or if they we just thought they were kind of self-evident. But we considered it was not a legitimate win if you used any continues what whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, if you used any code to like like the contra thirty lives code. Yeah. We would have considered that cheating. Yeah. Um, anything that uh, I don't know what else. It had to be single player. Like, if you were playing it with someone else and got to the end, that's fine, but it's not a win for either one of you. So you had to do single player, no continues, no cheat codes. Uh, default, else? any default settings, right? 
Oh yeah, no level select, no uh, like later on in the Genesis or the you know Altered Beast or Golden Axe, you could select. Oh, I want to start with three lives or five lives. You yeah, start with touch that. Um, nothing on easy. If if the default was normal, then that was what you had to do. You couldn't set that difficulty level easier than the default. Okay. Oh, I don't remember. Tell me a little bit about so so we had these rules right and we were writing down these win dates and stuff like that but where did all that come from right we had this thing what did we call it this this handwritten notebook right Gavin uh, I think you started this the Sega notebook the Sega notebook tell yeah. me about what happened there how did you start that well I think that was with Zillion where we realized we need to start keeping a map here and start keeping notes of w in what rooms do you find like the the power ups, the the gun level ups, the you know the little pieces of bread that would restore your health. I think it was with Zillion that we really started writing stuff down. Uh huh. And I think you, Eric, you were the first one to to really start taking notes about those games. Well, I, I remember writing a map for Zillion, but I, I thought you started writing down all these little things. And actually, that I want to talk about Zillion was one of them, but another game that we've mentioned a bunch of times is Alex Kidd. Now, Alex Kidd, I remember we would have strategies or techniques that we would do to figure out how to get through the game. Yes. And I'll remind you of a couple that I remember. There were the uh, the skull boxes. Now, what did we learn? Is that was that what, is it what it was? Skull boxes. Yeah, skull boxes. So what do we boxes. know? About, what was the deal with the skull boxes? Uh, what the, did we figure out? The game itself has a uh, limit to the number of items that can be on the screen all at once. Uh huh. So when you'd open um, a question mark box, or you'd walk over a skull box, and a ghost would come out. Uh, what we discovered is that punching open two star boxes with money bags in them that was enough to make the ghost disappear. And the ghost would kill you. The ghost would kill you. He'd otherwise, chase you around. He would chase you, and he was invincible. And yeah. The only thing you could do is get to the end of the level faster than he could catch you. Or you could or, exploit this sprite limit, right? And okay, but we had so we had a couple of strategies about using those. I remember there was one where we would—I forget what it was—we would purposely trigger a ghost at a certain point and then make him disappear so that there'd be an extra life. We we learned that they cycled, yes. right? Yes, the uh, question mark boxes would, uh, first you'd get a ring, second you'd get a ghost, third you'd get an extra life, but it would, uh, uh, that cycle would reset with each level. So if you wanted the extra life at the end of round one, you would have to release the, the ghost, ghost in round one. Okay. And that so, would mean some way of managing him. Yeah, so we had all these different strategies, right, that we were walking, we we're, we're writing down in the Sega Notebook. Um, things like where to use the ring that would shoot rocks or when to fly, stuff like that. When to buy the motorcycle. And there was also some interesting stuff happening in um, Stage 5, this uh, volcano stage, where you can you can get the... Uh, uh, telepathy uh, ball. Yeah, the ball telepathy. or the stone of telepathy. But um, there were two tricks associated with it. First of all, getting into that uh, uh, crevice, falling into that crevice, well, you can't do that. Um, straight away there's lava at the bottom that you fall into you won't be able to move far enough to the right um, unless you destroy a certain box that's up above this thing and when you destroy that box it, it makes a notch out of the uh, opening which gives you time to move to the right as you're falling um, and for a while we were doing that alone and just uh, you know understanding and making the trade-off that well now to get out of here we'll just have to jump in the lava and, and waste a guy that's right we, we thought you had line. to die 
Um, one of us eventually discovered uh, that if you walk all the way to the back of the cave, uh, which seems to be, you know, a dead end, but if you go all the way back there, um, it, uh, it notches out a bunch more of the ground, and that enables you to jump up. Yeah. Yeah. So we were sharing. So I remember playing this game, right? And I never did this. I'd play it, and we'd die or whatever, and then I'd come home or something, and you guys would have discovered some new technique. Oh, do this to the ghost, and you'll get an extra guy. Get this, and you'll be able to escape the tele tele telepathy ball. Use the flight, cut, what is it, cane of flight here, and you can avoid flight, this. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we were we were sharing all these strategies, right? And then we were, of course, writing them down in our, our little notebooks. Jeff, did you ever have one? I know I had one. Gavin had one. I, I had a notebook. I don't know that I contributed much original content to it. Okay. Um, the Really, the, the big secret that I uh, remember discovering myself was um, in one of the underwater levels of Alex Kidd, um, there are two uh, octopus uh, creatures on baskets and I discovered at least uh, one of them that if you kill the octopus, you can then uh, tunnel down through the basket uh, into a secret uh, underground lake, right? Uh, which then takes you above ground to a secret island. Um, on the, the world map, there's these three islands, and if you play the game the normal way, you only visit two of them, and you're left wondering, well, what about this third one? Oh, is that right? That's well, how you got to the third island? That's how you get to the third island, is that, that. Uh, that secret route. And, uh, you know, this was uh, similar to my earlier Double Dragon story where I discovered this, and then, you know, I quickly died or, uh, you know, I had to go to bed or something like that, and so I wouldn't get another chance until the next day. Only the next day uh, was my field trip to Chicago, and we did not get back at, uh, you know, the regular uh, school ending time. You know, we were out till pretty much dinner time. I didn't get home. So I couldn't, uh, you know, play with it that day. The whole time wandering around Chicago, I was thinking about Alex Kidd. <laughs> Man, I need to get back to that basket. I need to explore that secret area. I need to see what That's that place funny. holds in store for me. And, uh, you know, boy, if these school officials officials could stop dreaming up ideas like let's be in Chicago <laughs> till 5 p.m. That would really I want to play out. games. I got All better right. things to do than this. All right. Well, Gavin, what about you? Do you have any memories of that first year? Any particular games? Yeah, I remember that that magic castle that appears at uh, toward the end of Alex Kid. When we got to that room that you had to swim through with all the underwater spikes, yeah, oh, you got to be kidding me! <laughs> but eventually, we figured out how to get. It, it wasn't as bad as it looked at first. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, if you allow yourself to float upward, you know, let go of the controller. If you float upward at that speed and hit the spikes, you just sort of bob off of them. Yeah, for, for, long, right. for a long time, we didn't you. know that. If, if you don't make any erratic moves, we discovered, it doesn't kill you. If you just go side to side. Well, you got to be careful about pressing, you know, left or right, because it's it's easy to be slightly off registration, and then that yeah. counts as, you know, going up into the yeah. spikes. For a no, long time, we didn't know how to deal with this, so we'd buy a cane of flight well in advance, you know, two stages prior, planning for this uh, room, because we discovered there's there's a room like one or two rooms before it where if you can fly up to the top, you can skip the whole thing. You can skip the whole thing. There's a ladder that you can't reach from the ground, but you can reach it by flying. Yeah, I remember so that was that. our strategy for a long time. But yeah, that first year, I mean, I remember we borrowed Shinobi and Govelius. Oh yeah, 
fine games. Oh yeah, fun. let's talk about let's talk about. We'll mention Paul, a friend of mine. His name's Paul. We convinced him to get a master system too, right? And he was so he was the other guy in town who had a master system. It turns out there were a couple, but he was a friend of ours, so we were able to trade games with him. And it turns out he was buying some pretty good games. So what were taste. they again? He he had Shinobi and Govelius. So we yeah, that, him. First, that first summer, Shinobi and Govelius. I mean, I remember those two. We really started expanding this idea of the Sega Notebook, especially with Govelius. I mean, we drew a few maps. We wrote down like where to find certain items: the purple me, the green me, uh, the various Bibles and swords and the yeah. boots, stuff like that. How to defeat the bosses? I mean. Some of them had special little tricks that we had to figure out. Uh, yeah, and, and Shinobi, I mean, that was just a classic classic, classic game. Classic arcade, right? Could never get enough of. I think we probably wrote down how to beat some of those guys, too. Like, Keno, you had to hit him five times in the head. Yeah. And Well, and where to use the ninja magic, right? We would save the ninja magic for certain levels. Oh, yeah. We, we'd add the same thing, right, where we would plan ahead and – I don't. It's probably not surprising people do that, but I remember we would share strategies about how to beat, you know, to get through. And I think we all eventually completed Shinobi. Did, did you beat it, Jeff? Too. I don't know if I ever have a legitimate win for that game. Okay. So well, you do I've for others. The ending plenty yeah. of times, and I've done it in emulators, but maybe yeah. on a real console. Okay. I but remember we, discovering the easiest way to beat Shinobi is to not ever die once. Yeah. Well, without <laughs> being killed. Then you can beat the masked ninja. Otherwise, eh, it ain't gonna go your way. Yeah, power strike right. is similar. Power strike. Yeah, remember we figured out, or maybe it was Dave who kind of told us how to do power strike. For a while, we were buying weapon two because it would absorb the orange bullets. It was the only way we knew to cope with them. Yeah. But uh, somebody eventually tipped us off that uh, weapon number one. Uh, once you have three power ups of it, and it's in it's in uh, unlimited. It's unlimited. Yeah. And, and it can destroy the orange one. So if you get three of them, power. you yeah. got it. The other thing I want to mention, too, one thing that we used to do, which uh, maybe you guys haven't heard of in years, is the hang-on marathon. You guys remember those, remember Gavin? You remember marathons. Yeah. I don't know if you ever did it. I used to do a hang-on marathon. And what I would do is there's no music in the game, so I'd get my Walkman, and i put some music on. And then we were concerned about the AC adapter getting too hot, so we'd wrap it in a wet towel. Well, Hopefully not electrocuting ourselves, but we'd wrap it in something cold so it wouldn't overheat, and uh, we'd sit there and play hang-on for as long as we could. <laughs> I remember <laughs> in January of 1989, you had already come up with the idea of, I'm going to marathon this game, and Mom made you stop. Like, help me put away Christmas decorations and Christmas lights and stuff. Yeah. I remember thinking, Mom, I'm in the middle of a hang-on marathon. She didn't think that was a very good reason for you not. <laughs> she was well, not impressed with the seriousness of this. This, this never, Yeah. Well, parents don't have a way of not understanding cool stuff like that. Yeah. So how did this uh, relates to uh, enduro? Because I remember we were playing a lot of enduro and uh, trying to marathon that game. Well, yeah, enduro we borrowed from our friends. That's an Atari Twenty Six Hundred game, and yeah. leading up to having the Master System. I was kind of getting anxious, excited about getting a master system, right, and thinking that we were going to get Hang On because I liked it. So we instead borrowed this game Enduro for the Atari. And leading up to the master system that Christmas, that's what we were playing. And we were marathoning that too. Okay. And do you guys want to talk about this little thing that we used to do? 
We played a lot of enduro before Christmas of 1988, and it was awesome. Yeah, and we had a we we had an old doll that we used to hit <laughs> if we crashed or something. We'd blame it on the doll and then beat it with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had this doll that we would smash. We would say, "Give." Give the doll a smash because I crashed. <laughs> the doll's job was to take all was the blame. To take the blame for that. That was so dumb. We were dumb kids. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was great because enduro is a very zen-like game, and so if you crash, it kind of messes up your rhythm. So we'd smash the doll with it. Take out your frustration. All right. So yeah, that's uh, that's maybe that's the origin of the Hang On Marathon. <clears throat> okay. So then moving on a little bit. Uh, we, we were very interested in the Master System in 1989, 80, early Christmas of 88, 89, and even into 1990. But then uh, we kind of got out of, uh, we kind of got out, I mean, the Master System wasn't doing so good, right? And we didn't have a Genesis. Yeah. So Sega by about Genesis. 1990, we were losing interest, right? Yeah. The Genesis had come along, and we said, oh, we, we've got to get us one of these. Yeah, well. Uh, but our parents were not uh, thrilled with that prospect, having only uh, bought the Master System just a year ago. And so, yeah. Uh, they put the kibosh on that idea, and that that you know may have led to us uh, pursuing other interests. Well, we have no nowhere to expand from with this master system. You know, it's run its course, and yep. there's not much else to do here. On the uh, other hand, we did get a IBM PS2 386 in 1990. Ah, the screamer. Ah, the screamer. So that, that helped. So yeah, we got into got into we got into PC gaming, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I got a computer uh, in 1992, and uh, so yeah, we were playing PC games for a long time there in the mid 90s. Yeah. But then something happened. Something happened in about 1996. Fall of 1996. What happened, Jeff? One of you. What happened is uh, Eric here had uh, uh, speculated the idea of, hey, you know, this is just software, uh, but for a different architecture. I wonder if uh, a translation layer uh, could be put together. And when he went online to look for technical details, he found not only those details, but other people had had this idea too and already had working implementations. Of emulators. These, of these, emulators. They were emulators, right? Software and, emulators. And uh, I remember getting an email from him and thinking, no, 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 he's pulling my leg. I've got to <laughs> see this for myself. And, you know, I mean, as, as soon as I got that email, I dropped everything I was doing. And yeah. I went out and I investigated. Oh, my gosh, this is legit. So yeah. I got every emulator that I could get. I downloaded every ROM that I was, you know, familiar with from back in the early '90s, and I couldn't believe it. I'm I'm playing these games from, you know, my childhood, a lifetime ago. Now, you know, a mere six years, you know, five six years. But, but it, it seemed like a lifetime at yeah. the time. It felt like a lifetime. Do you, do you remember that, Gavin? Uh, when I got uh, I got my first Master System emulator, and I was playing Shinobi. Right yeah, on the PC. I, I remember that during a period when I probably should have been studying, I was playing ah. this game Raptor, a free game that came with the Gravis gamepad. That's right. Raptor. It was an overhead scroller. And I thought you said something like, Oh, that yeah, that kind of makes me feel like playing Power Strike. We should go get that. Next time we're at home, we should get the master system and bring it back to school with us. Because we were at college and we shared an apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't know. I thought uh, it was it was around that time that you started thinking about the master system again. Yeah. And, uh, it's all related. Friends, yeah. I mean, I was still, you know, you said I remember you telling me about this. Oh, look, somebody's figured out a way to play master system games on 
on the PC. And I was like, yeah, huh, that's great. I'm going to keep playing this free <laughs> piece of crap software I got with the Gravis gamepad. And I got to play some Dark Forces. And I couldn't care less about the Master System. You know, one thing that's I crazy talk. add to that is, um, you know, we had experimented with some Master System games ported to PC. I seem to remember we had a version of Space Harrier on PC. Oh, it was like, awful. Yeah, every yeah, these were all they were really bad translations, and you know we've been pretty let down by that. And yeah. you know that was another thing about playing you know these emulators. Like finally something that's not garbage. I mean this is faithful to the original thing. To the original. I, I, I can't even tell a difference. I mean this is the game I grew up with. It's not some crap thing rushed out the door cheaply. So, yeah. I so think yeah, I was not originally all that interested when you were showing me the emulator, but. I don't know. Eventually, I came around. I'm not sure when. Okay. Spring of '97. So yeah. So let's talk about that because I was getting into emulation, right? And Jeff, you were in emulation. In fact, Jeff, you were writing an emulator, right? I was writing an emulator by then. I was so excited. Yeah. By the possibilities. So uh, we we were, but the problem was is that our PCs at the time were not um, were not powerful enough. Right. To play Genesis games, and that's one of the reasons why you were writing your emulator. You were writing it in assembly language to try to get some real speed. But uh, I was starting to get back into the console games, and, and Gavin and I, we ended up buying a Genesis console just to you know be able to play these games. But it also inspired us to go back and, and, and get back into the Master System. And so by about 1997, 97 rolls around, and we're, uh, we start looking for Master System games again. And so I want to talk briefly about uh, the first instance of that, and that was a, what you know what we've called Pawn Shop Day. Uh, Jeff, you weren't around for this, but Gavin, you you uh, you um, yeah, you were we, calling around, right? Tell us what happened. We had visited a few pawn shops in Champaign, and just found nothing. We just came up dry, and then I think after that we thought, well, let's not drive all over town looking at these pawn shops. Let's call around first. So one I, one Friday, I think I got I got done with class at around three o'clock. Walked home, pulled out a phone book, called because this was before we had internet. You know, there wasn't much. <laughs> other on the internet. Yeah. So I pulled out a phone book and called this place, and it, it turned out the one that was we we lived right down the street from it, a couple blocks, for at that point almost two years, and never really noticed the place. But I called the guy up and I said, hey, do you have any of this Sega Master System stuff? And he said, oh, today's your lucky day. I got a whole bunch. And I I still thought, well, there's a chance this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But Eric should be home in half an hour or so. Let's wait till he gets home and I'll tell him and we'll, we'll walk over there and see. And then when we got there, it turned out the guy was right. He had a ton of stuff. Yeah. I mean, to me, it looked like a ton of stuff at the time. I'd never seen so much Master System stuff. That's right. So, like a couple of idiots, we carried these cardboard boxes full of stuff across, you know, four-lane highway in rush hour. <laughs> and, That's right. We just walked it home, right? Because we were yeah. living in a college. We didn't have a car. Well, we probably had a car, but we weren't walking. We were driving it. Yeah. Yeah, so we carried these boxes back. And so this sort of started, this sort of kicked off a, uh, a resurgence, perhaps, of, of buying these games. And, you know, uh, I was looking through my spreadsheet, you know, we bought this pawn shop day, and then apparently in early July of 1997, I bought my NES. Uh, so I, we were starting to get back into buying, or I was starting to get back into buying some of these old games. 
And then, of course, the big day occurred, right? Oh, yeah. The big, the big day, which is, um, you know, what we're kind of celebrating here with this podcast, is uh, Rick V Day. Yeah. Uh, which we we don't know the exact date of, but we claim it's about July eighteenth, yeah, nineteen ninety seven, right? And so, Gavin, you know, I've already told the story from my perspective, but Gavin, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that came to pass from your memory? Uh, see, I don't remember where I became aware of this because I, I don't remember being particularly into the internet back then. But I was either on some message board or some emailing list, and this guy had listed this massive lot of SMS games. I, I don't remember how many, but it was a lot. And one of them in there was Fantasy Star. Yeah. Everybody and their mother was trying to get a copy of Fantasy Star. And all the responses to this guy's post were, how much for Fantasy Star by itself? Or I'll give you 50 bucks for Fantasy Star by itself. And the guy hadn't responded to any of them. And I realized he's probably just looking to get rid of it all at one time. He doesn't want to sell them off individually. He wants to sell a whole lot. So I'll make him an offer for the whole lot. And I, I don't know where you were, but I, I, I don't think I... I don't think you were around, and I and I just no. had to make a judgment call. Uh, I'm sure Eric will chip in for this uh, if we if we get this whole lot with Fantasy Star, and I'll just take a guess. And I offered him 120 dollars, which at the time I thought was a huge sum of money. Like, yeah, I can't believe I'm going to offer this. But now, in retrospect, it was pretty cheap because we got like 70 or 80 games out of that. That's in, my memory. Yeah. Fantasy Star. Yep. So, yeah, I made him an offer for the whole lot where everyone else was just asking for Fantasy Star. And uh, he, he gave it to you. So that was it. I went and got a money order and mailed it to him and thought we may never see this money again. But I don't know. It uh, it showed up. I don't know how long. It could have been a week. It could have been two weeks. I don't know. Now, we kind of knew what day it was coming, didn't we? Did he give us tracking information? Because I recall knowing that or having a very strong suspicion it was going to arrive the day that it did. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe we did know. Maybe it was, I don't know if they had priority mail back then or. I don't know. I don't do, you have, do you have any memories of this uh, package arriving or uh, were you not, like, ah, who cares about mass I, I learned about this a little bit later. I, I mean, I seem to remember you guys contacting me either by phone or by email to say, you know, you'd just gotten this gigantic haul. But I think it was more toward Christmas that I became aware of all this because you guys. Uh, well, where were you in summer '97? You couldn't have been. I wasn't down at college with you guys. No. I would have been, you know, back at you were home, still in high school, know, three hours north. Yeah, but this came to to uh, mom and dad's house. Did it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Isn't oh. that right, Gavin? Do you remember? Yeah, I it, came it came to mom and dad's house. I was I was working the day it showed up, and I'm like, were, yeah, I can't really? believe I got to be here stuck at work. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Is that Gavin was at work and. We had to wait. I think you cut off early a little bit. Yeah, but, might have tried to. So you don't really have a memory of this thing showing up. Yeah, I, you know, I did not remember okay. that it came to mom and dad's house. I thought you guys were at college when you received it, no. and I only learned by email or phone. You know, maybe a week or two later. I wonder but, if you were. Uh, I don't know where you would have been. All right, so we get this giant package, right? Eighty some games. Wow. What did we do? It was life changing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, I remember cracking it open and seeing how oh, we got to clean all this stuff, right? Yeah. We got to clean it all off. And uh, I think we probably spent the day cleaning some stuff up. We didn't want to put any dirty uh, contact cartridges into the into the master system. 
Um, I don't think it came with the system itself, but uh, we already had at least two or three from Pawn Shop Day in our original system, right? Yeah. By that point, so, we had three master systems. So we probably spent what? The, I don't even remember. I remember it showing up. I remember cleaning up some of the stuff and trying out the games one at a, you know one at a time, going through them. But uh, but it it was a big deal. And then I remember, of course, traveling back and forth from mom and dad's to you know our apartment. We'd put them in brown bags. We'd put them in paper bags, right? And we'd have bags <laughs> of these things to haul around now. Yeah, we had so many. We're like, oh, well, which ones are we going to play? Well, we'll just, I don't know, we'll just play them all. So we'll transfer them all back and forth at Christmas. I remember the brown paper grocery bags with handles on them. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember that in the context of you bringing the games from college back home. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that was my first time seeing them because I remember okay. thinking, man, you know, let's go through here and see what they've got. Oh, go Vellis. All right. Yeah. They go do exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first ones I looked for. We got Govelius, we got R-Type, we got Shinobi, we got some of the great ones from our that our friend we used to borrow. We got a bunch of the 3D games. Yeah. I, and the, fantasy stuff. When we came home for Christmas of 1997, I remember we had brought all these games back down to college with us and put them on our little shelves. Yeah. So we might have had 80 or 90 games down at school. And when we were getting ready to go back for Christmas, go back home, we were thinking – Oh gosh, we're going to be at home for three or four weeks. Which games do we bring? And we ended up thinking, well, I can't possibly get through these four weeks without these. There was something like five or six games we left down at school. Yeah. We packed up in these bags yeah. to bring home because we might need to play all. <laughs> yeah, we brought something like 60 games back with us because we're like, well, we got to play all of these. We, yeah. We can't do without any of these for two weeks or three Elf, weeks. Elf, I can't be without Elf. Elf, I yeah, play Elf. <laughs> no, Elf might have been one of the ones that got stayed on at school, but yeah, there's yeah. that many. But I remember taking Fantasy Star out of there. Uh, this, I guess this was the summer of 97 that I, I spent most of the summer down at our apartment. I remember taking Fantasy Star out of there and bringing or taking it back with me. Some of them, I think, Gavin, you were still working up you know, where Mom and Dad lived. And I was living down at our apartment, so we split a couple, and I grabbed Fantasy Star, and I, I sat there for three days in a row, solid, just playing it. Get up, play Fantasy Star, go to sleep, get up, play Fantasy Star. It took me two or three days to win, but uh, that that was a that was a heck of a summer. Uh, <laughs> Twenty years ago now, that happened. Yeah, that's awesome. We should commemorate that uh, week by doing the same thing. Right? <laughs> I mean, just, so, you know. Can't come into work. I got to sit around on the couch and play Fantasy Star. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned in my video, that was that was sort of the big thing that got me most of the way through to uh, my collection, which I, I now have most of those games. Uh, you guys have, Jeff, we, we split up. Uh, there was the great split, Gavin, you'll recall. Yeah. We had gone in together on these games, and then when we left college, we both went our separate ways, and we had one night where we did the great split. Yeah, the and joint what, ownership. What, yeah, so what happened? All tallied up. And, uh, so there were uh, five games, I think, that I had bought uh, individually or received as you know Christmas or birthday gifts, and then I had at least a one-third ownership in you know the system and a couple of uh, the games that were uh, uh, gifts to all three of us. And what I seem to remember happening is you guys, you know, kind of tallied it all up. You, you know, here's the price uh, for each of these items, and then for these, divide by three and tally that up. 
and you guys came back to me with a number. Jeff, we're willing to buy you out. Uh, we'll give you this much money, and uh, you know, you no longer you you give up ownership of all of these things, right? Yeah, we own them now. And I said, sounds like a great deal to me. Uh, you know, go ahead, buy me out. I've got emulators now. <laughs> I'll just play those. All right, that's right. That's how I remember it. We bought Jeff out. So then it was between you and me, Gavin. And what happened? Uh, I think it was a matter of who found the best weapon on the street, and <laughs> you know, I found a certain, uh, I found a chain and a ninja magic, and uh, I won. I just found a bat, this is a stupid bat, a roast turkey that was laying in the street. I, I did that thing where I pressed right twice, and I charged and rammed you off the side of the cliff, and I got uh, the first pick. Yeah, so well, we we went back and forth, right? I don't remember all the details, and. I don't know if they're that interesting, but we went back and forth and we split the games up, right? Yeah. yeah. All, I was, all I remember is you wanted Fantasy Star more than me, and I wanted Space Harrier 3D more than you. So we we both made that trade. Okay. Now, we probably just did, hey, do you want this game? Well, nah, not really. You know. Yeah. We just went, yeah. And then, of course, once we, we split them up, right, and then, you know, I bought some of the ones that you had gotten, and maybe you bought some, but and then for a while there, Gavin, you were still into Master System. You were buying some imports, right? Yeah, I got, uh, well, you were the one who introduced me to eBay. So by the fall of 1998, you know, after I got my own apartment and moved out, you had shown me eBay. And now I had a job and disposable income. And I thought, I'd never heard of these Master System games before. I'll take one of these, one of these, one of these. <laughs> Whatever they had on eBay, I was buying it. Never yeah. even heard of this game. Aerial Assault sounds like, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't remember what else. I was buying 32X games at the time, too, most of which turned out to be awful. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I bought all kinds of stuff I'd never heard of before on eBay just to try it out. And, yeah. Yeah, and I ended up, and you ended up giving them to me. So a bunch <laughs> of the Rick stuff came back to me. Uh, some of the stuff that you were buying on eBay I've still got. Um, Power Strike 2 was Power a big Strike, one. That's a big opinion. one. Yeah, Power Strike 2. Oh, God, don't remind me. That and OutRun 3D. Those were... Those were pricey. Expensive games. Yeah. Rare games with Power Strike 2. That was a damn fine game. I remember, you know, playing the heck out of that on emulators. And then, you know, when I learned that you bought it, holy smokes, I'll get a chance to play the real play thing. Play the real deal. Yeah. It had little floating randars that you could power up with. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, that and that—that's kind of where it ended, right? I mean, for you guys, that was the end of the master system, and for me, uh, you know, I've I've got it all here. You carried so the torch. I, I kept it going, but um, I hung on to mine until 2010, and then finally decided I gotta I gotta clear some space out. I gotta get rid of some junk in my house. That's right. Well, I took yeah. one last fling playing Bomber Raid and Cloudmaster and Quartet. And Space Harrier 3D, and then got rid of all of it. Yeah, both of you actually, you're, you're both sort of clearing out your your video games, right? I mean, Jeff, you you're playing through your Xbox 360 to try to get rid of that. Yeah. Gavin, you've had some systems. You had a PlayStation 2. You also had an Xbox uh, Xbox 360. You're you've been playing through those and getting rid of those systematically, right? Yeah, I got rid of my. Uh... Genesis, SMS, and 32X in 2010. I got rid of my Dreamcast in 2002 and used the money to buy a PlayStation 2. 
Uh, I got rid of that in 2012, sent that over to Jeff. Yeah. And uh, I think I got rid of my Xbox, my original Xbox in 2013. Well, that's what I wanted to come back to. Eric, you and me had been playing Halo 2 online for four or five months, starting in December of 2004. That's I right. remember telling Jeff, man, you got to get now, you got to get on and play Halo with us, play some Halo 2 with us. And Jeff yeah. was like, no, no, no. And then finally, yeah, he mentioned it casually. I don't know if it was an email or I came home from work one day and there was a voicemail. He's like, oh, hey, I got an Xbox. I want to play some Halo 2. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why well, am I not playing this right now? Yeah, hey. that was great. We used to play that a lot together. So yeah. I think it was uh, Christmas 2004. You know, I'd flown back into town uh, from the West Coast, and uh, there was a uh, in-room uh, version. You know, you hook up three controllers, and, and you split the screen four ways. Yeah. And yeah. so we were playing Rocketball. Hell yeah! Uh, you know, that Christmas, and I think that may be what uh, sold me on Halo. I, yeah. I don't know why I would have waited four more months. I, I don't remember the details anymore. Responsibilities, trying to be an adult. No, yeah. that's the hindsight. Yeah, it's all crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was going to say I married into a GameCube as well. My oh, girlfriend, yeah. my wife, she had a she had a GameCube. So when I got married, I got that. I played a few GameCube games then, but eventually she, you know, she wasn't playing it so we got rid of that too i don't know if i sent that your way or uh so i don't think GameStop. Uh, i think i do i think uh you sent i got a platinum gamecube from you so now all i got left is a ps3 a 360 and a 3ds and uh an old nintendo ds okay did you really get rid of that ps2 and uh 12 that means i've had it for five years that's crazy well end of 2012 yeah I think that's right. I can't believe I've been sitting on it that long. I need to well, I might have had it for a while, and then I gave it to you because it might have been about the time we moved into this place, which would be a little bit like 2013. But you've had it for a few years. Oy. So, yeah. So that I guess that wraps it up, our uh, our little celebration of uh, Rick v. Day. nostalgia of going back in, in time. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to you wanna mention randomly? About video games uh, or history just, or anything? Just working, you know, through the library. I've got that one one last PS2 game to finish, Final Fantasy twelve, and then I gotta finish my Xbox three sixty library. And then you'll be done, huh? Then no, then no, I'd done. like to amend that a little bit. You still gotta play God of War too. Strider <laughs> collection. Strider I don't know if it's aged well. I mean, I'm used to the likes of Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It's hard to go back to things like God of War. That Eric, give him a smack. Generation earlier. Give him what? He's right there in the room with you. Just reach over and smack him. Just a smash bit. him. <laughs> get your head on straight. Uh, right. Well, maybe maybe we got to get you a PS3 and you can play the God of War uh, and High Death. I don't know if I need more video games. The, the yes. amount of time I've been spending on them has been dwindling. Which I know. Th that's kind of backwards. I mean, when my kids were young and toddlers and needing a lot of attention, you know, way less independent than they are now. I got a lot more video you games. You got more done I mean, then, isn't that I funny? went through my GameCube library and never had one. I was playing these on Wii. I went through my original Xbox library, and that was in, like, two passes. One, before I got rid of the Xbox, and then uh, two, playing the original Xbox games on 360 that were uh, compatible with the Xbox 360 backwards uh, emulation. Yeah. Uh, Halo 2 was said to be compatible, but uh, had a lot of graphical problems. Uh, 
certain things would not get yeah, off the yeah, screen, yeah. so it muddied up the screen really bad. Yeah, that made it even more difficult. That changed then, over time too. When I got Sid Meier's Pirates in two thousand eight, you could play it on the Xbox three hundred and sixty, and a few years later, you couldn't. So one of their software updates over time, they gradually de-emphasized the backward compatibility. Yeah. Wow. That cost That's funny because now the, the Xbox One is offering backward compatibility through the whole family. They're going to start adding Xbox original game compatibility. Yeah. That would be terrific because X-Men Legends, that was a fine game, and it was not compatible, so I didn't no. hang on to it. So here's, here's the trick part, right? I mean, it, it wasn't compatible with the 360. There's a chance that when they say they're offering Xbox compatibility with the Xbox One, they're going to do it through... Xbox 360 backward compatibility of X, right? It could chain in that if it wasn't compatible on the 360, it won't be on the Xbox One. That's unfortunate, but but anyway, it would be great to have X Men Legends, right? It'd be great or to have Burnout that Three. Until then, there's Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. All right, Gavin. Any last? Uh, makes you want to pick up a shuriken and throw it at their face. Is what it does. <laughs> you and me both, man. Any last thoughts, Gavin? Yeah, I'd like to agree with what Jeff said. When my kids were younger and more dependent and needy, I felt like I was able to get more games played. Yeah. Now that they're able to do stuff on their own, I don't know. I can't. I, I told you the story about my little two-and-a-half-year-old daughter sneaking down out of her bedroom during nap time, <laughs> me not noticing that she was there when I was playing Dishonored, and I sneak up behind a guy and cut his throat, and she's like, you don't ever do that again, Dick. <laughs> uh, that's funny. You don't ever do that again. Little kids say funny stuff. Yeah. When I uh, played uh, uh, Mass Effect 1, I did a lot of landing on you know desolate alien worlds and, and driving around the rover to find uh, mining deposits. Oh, yeah. And my uh, two-year-old at the time... Uh, I guess she thought that pile of platinum ore looked like poo because she walked into the room and would say, Daddy, that's poo. That's poo, Daddy, that's poo. No, that's really valuable ore. That's really no. valuable stuff, and it's I'm going to collect it. That's poo, Daddy. <laughs> uh, kid. Right. Well, a lot's changed in the 20 years since the original Rick V Day. But uh, you guys still find some time to play games. That's pretty good. I, I spend most of my time collecting now and not playing as much. But uh, I've been collecting a lot of uh, rare cards in Magic the Gathering Puzzle Quest. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then as soon as they shut down the servers, it'll all go away. It'll all be all those hours. Digital content. For nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, that ought to wrap it up, I think. Uh, thanks, uh, Jeff and Gavin, for joining me for this little trip down memory lane. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And Thanks, uh, thanks to everyone who listened. Uh, hope uh, I guess you got a little insight into the uh, mighty Cubros family. Yeah. For anyone listening, go play some Streets of Rage now. <laughs> Streets of Rage two, not three.